What's up everybody? It is now time for episode number 74 of Hooked on Sports here on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, a copy RSS, Breaker, and Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasting streaming services. Thank you so very much for listening to another fun-filled NFL podcast on the Hooked on Sports podcast uh, channel. So, before we get into what what we're going to do today, we'll be sure to hit that subscribe and follow button. I certainly will appreciate anybody who is able to do that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So this way, you will be notified of every time Hooked on Sports is available, so you this your inside access to all of the sports conversation that, that goes on and my, and my world of sports and, and my takes in the world of sports. So please do me a favor and, and take care of that for me, please. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at hooked underscore on sports. And I am also on Twitter at John Flynn 97 and on Instagram at Jay Flizzy. So, we, we, what we're going to do today with the, it is it is a few days after the conclusion of the NFL regular season. There are several teams that are looking for new general managers. We'll go through the general manager carousel. We're also going to go through the NFL had coaching carousel, and I will pin some names on certain teams of when when it comes to who I think the next general manager or the head coach should be. And also, we're going to run down the six games that will take place this weekend on what's known as Super Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. And the, the, these are going to be some fun matchups, and I, I can't wait to um, uh, pick winners and losers for, for the games this weekend. So, without any further ado, let's start by lo- looking at some of the general manager vacancies in, in the National Football League. So... The coronavirus took its toll on human life in 2020, but just because 2020 is over and that a vaccine has been approved for emergency use doesn't mean that the threat of COVID-19 is gone. Please remember to wear your masks and maintain a six-foot physical distance from others while you can, and if you're sick, don't go to work or school. You can mask up and you can save lives. We're going to start with a one general manager vacancy that has already been filled as the Houston Texans hired Nick Casero as their new general manager. He, he's going to replace Bill O'Brien at the uh, general manager position. And I, I think Nick Casero is going to have a lot of work to do that he does not have a first or second round pick. He does have Deshaun Watson on his roster now, which, which is nice because... I, Deshaun Watson certainly worth every single penny, but he he's got he's gonna have to figure out how to bolster that defense, which was dreadful. He's got to figure out a way to um 
uh, to put put together a team that that Deshaun Watson can be proud of and one that the, that Deshaun Watson can take to the promised land. So Nick Casero is going to uh, is going to be. Uh, I thought he he was going to be the hire a couple of years ago, after after uh, before Bill O'Brien took over the Houston Texans GM role. Thanks, Bill O'Brien, but. I think Nick Casero is going to, uh, to be uh, uh, be a huge upgrade over Bill O'Brien. I mean, who wouldn't be an upgrade over um, Nick uh, over um, Bill O'Brien? So I think the Texans uh, found their man at the general manager position in Nick Casero. Other teams that that are looking for general managers and. That there are there are a, a handful of teams, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the the so the candidates um that are, that are linked to each team. I'll give you a uh, a team, and then the uh, then the guys that have been linked to, to that opening, and I'll do that for the general manager vacancies. I'll do that with the head coaching vacancies as well. So. So, some of the names that, that that were interviewed by the Carolina Panthers. Nick Casero was one. He's already out because he was hired by the Houston Texans. Other names in the conversation were were um, Monty Osenfort, the Titans director of player personnel. Joe Scoen, the Buffalo Bills assistant general manager. Jeff Ireland, the Saints assistant general manager. Jerry Reese, the ex-Giants general manager. But how about this name? And I think he makes so much sense for the Carolina Panthers. Quisi Adolfo Mensa, the Cleveland Browns president of football operations. Adolfo Mensa has done a tremendous job, tremendous job with the with, with uh, get, getting the Browns roster to be uh, being somewhat respectable. I mean, the Browns just made the playoffs for the first time in in a long in eighteen years, and he he played a pivotal role in get getting the Browns roster to where it needs to be. And I think uh, uh with with Panthers general manager uh, manager role now reporting to Matt Rule, I think I think Adolfo Mensa would be a fantastic hire for Matt Rule and the and the Carolina Panthers. So, I I think he's definitely one to watch. Let's go with the Detroit Lions and the Lions have a deep pool of of general manager candidates and some internal, some external. I I think if you are the Lions, you need to go for one of the external candidates because you know the uh, the Lions really need a shot in the arm from, from someone outside of the organization. They already have Chris Spielman or the uh, from the NFL on Fox uh, to help pick a general a general manager. So here are the names that the Lions have already interviewed. They've already uh, they've already picked, uh, looked at Thomas Dimitrioff, the ex general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. And keep in mind too, I also need to mention this too that I'm recording this podcast at a quarter after twelve on Wednesday. So all of these uh, all of these lists are completely subject to change. I. I, Th- Thomas Dimitrioff is on there. 
Scott Pioli, the former general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, is, is up there. Rick Smith, the former Houston Texans general manager, is up there. Sweet Lou Riddick of the NFL on ESPN on Monday Night Football, part of that Monday Night Football team with Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lisa Salters. Terry Fontenot is up there as well. Other names internally that they looked at are Rob Lohman, Lance Newmark, and Kyle O'Brien. They also think, uh, are, are trying to, to pursue other general manager candidates who they've yet to interview. They're, they're looking at Jerry Reese. They're, they're looking at Jeff Ireland. But the, the, the other names that, that they're looking at, John Schneider of the Seattle Seahawks general manager, that's not going to happen. The Seahawks are certainly not going to let him go after they won the division last year. Another name is Kevin Colbert, the current general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That his contract is up at the end of the season, and and, and who knows what the Steelers are going to do with Kevin Colbert? Maybe uh, they'll they'll look at extending him, a bit because the Steelers went twelve and four this season. Um, after many people thought that the Steelers weren't going to. Be special this season, but but I'm I'm not the Steelers. The Steelers are the Steelers, and but I don't think that they're gonna let uh, the Lions interview Kevin Colbert. Let Let's take a look at the names for the. Uh, at, before I get into that, I th- I think the Lions hire for general manager is absolutely Lewis Reddick. I, I said this after the, the Lions fired Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. I, I said the name that they needed to target is is Lewis Riddick for the general manager role. So I think if, if he is in, I think he can certainly handpick an NFL head coach. And I think that would be a tremendous, tremendous deal for the Detroit Lions. So let's take a look now at the Atlanta Falcons that they they have they've already interviewed three that Terry Fontenot the Saints vice president and assistant general manager that they're scheduled to interview him today yesterday they interviewed scouting director of the LA Rams Brad Holmes and they also interviewed the uh, Colts director of college scouting Morocco Brown I think Morocco Brown. Well, I I think if uh, I I think he is the one to watch, and I definitely, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I would certainly consider hiring Morocco Brown. And you you, you look at uh, how the Colts are that that they drafted Jonathan Taylor last year, and uh, Jonathan Taylor was third in the NFL in rushing with 1,169 rushing yards. I I think uh, I, I think the um, Colts have 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 a tremendous system ready that that they they have their their blend of young and old and it's a win now roster. I think he would be a sensational hire for the Atlanta Falcons. So other than those three names that they've interviewed or are scheduled to interview, Rick Smith is in there. George Patton, the Minnesota Vikings assistant general manager, I think he would be someone. That that could elevate the Atlanta Falcons, and Champ Kelly, the Chicago Bears player personnel assistant, 
he is up there as well. So I think they're going to look at, at those names. The Jacksonville Jaguars job, I th I think both the head coach and general manager jobs are dreamy uh, because of the news that broke earlier on Wednesday morning that Trevor Lawrence is a, has officially declared for the NFL after a successful career at Clemson. But, but they've, all, they've requested to interview Jerry Reese and Sweet Lou Reddick. And they're going to, and they're also interested in in former Browns general manager Ray Farmer. So, I I I think the Jaguars certainly I can cast their net out a little bit more than than they are. But if if the Jaguars have the opportunity to hire Lewis Reddick, I think they absolutely need to consider hiring him ahead of the, ahead of the Lions. And we're going to get into some of the names for the Jaguars job in a little bit, but. I I think uh, Lou I think Lou Riddick is going to uh, going to place the franchise uh, in good hands. So I definitely want to see what the Jaguars are going to do with that regard. Uh, the Denver Broncos general manager uh, vacancy uh, is is alive after John Elway said uh, that uh, that he's going to give up a final say on personnel decisions. And that the Denver Broncos announced that they'll that they'll cast a deep net for their general manager vacancy with uh with Vic Fangio as the head coach. A couple of names that have been linked to the job are Adam Peters from the San Francisco 49ers and the aforementioned Champ Kelly. And the 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 last of the remaining head coach of general manager vacancies. Is that of the Washington football team, and what Washington uh, it, and with the way Washington's going to go, that Ron Rivera had a huge say in, if in pretty much all the football operations. So the general manager is going to report directly to Ron Rivera, and rightfully so. And I, I we we talked a lot about about other things on on Sunday. Can we give Ron Rivera a lot of credit? for what what he did with Washington uh, turning them from 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 a, from a, uh, a franchise on a straight path to nowhere to, to one actually in the right direction so I'm going to uh, the names that they're going uh, that the Washington's looking at in terms of their general manager role are um, they're looking at Marty Herney, who worked with Ron Rivera in Carolina. I don't think Herney is going to be the, be the answer for for Washington. Other other places they looked at Martin Mayhew, the San Francisco 49ers player personnel. They also think that that Rick Smith and Joe Scowen, Joe Scowen, the Bills assistant general manager, that they're also going to be considered when it's all said and done at the end of the day for Washington. Notable, uh, notable general managers that were not fired, were, uh, you look at Dave Gellman of the Giants, and Dave Gellman said in his press conference today that, you know, the Giants need need to go out and get a wide receiver. Exhibit A, Allen Robinson. Exhibit B, Chris Godwin. Exhibit C, Kenny Galladay. I think the Giants... I get why the Giants did, didn't fire Dave Gettleman because of the uh, of the Trent, Trent Wood up and his relationship with Joe Judge, but 
you know, he's he's not going to elevate the Giants for that regard. I now it's time to look at some of the names for the NFL head coaching carousel, and there are six names, uh, six teams that that are looking for head coaches, and I'm going to uh, to look uh, to go off on one team that does not. Uh, that did not fire their head coach, even though there were rumors of that that they would, and I can't wait to uh, to go off on Mike Brown and and the punchline record with the Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll do we'll do that in just a little bit. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, I I think they're they're the Jamie's job that I that with the news of Trevor Lawrence. Um, leaving Clemson and declaring for the NFL draft, all of a sudden, I think the Jaguars' job, the, the, he's going to get a fresh start. He's going to get uh, a, a ton of money in, in the salary cap, uh, and that, that the general manager is going to spend money on, on players to surround the team and give Trevor Lawrence a, a good support system. So interview requests that the Jaguars have put out for are, Arthur Smith, the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, and I think Arthur Smith would would be a great fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars job. Robert Sala, the San Francisco defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City's offensive coordinator. But the ultimate wild card in this, uh, in the Jaguars head coaching conversation, former Ohio State and former Florida head coach Urban Meyer, and. Urban Meyer, uh, uh, Urban Meyer is is one of those uh, one of those uh, coaches that that can uh, that can put together a roster that can put together a program. But I'm not as warm and fuzzy to the uh, idea of Urban Meyer because uh, because he's never had NFL experience before. The thing I th- the thing I find interesting with Matt Rule is that Matt Rule had a tremendous uh, tremendous. Um, a, a tremendous record of b- building programs that 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 were that that were disastrous and built them into w- well respected uh, teams. So we're we're gonna see how right I am if it, whether or not I'm right about Matt Rule. But Urban Meyer is going to be interesting because I think uh, the 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 NFL landscape is something that that that, he, that he's never been in before. So I'm not as fuzzy about Urban Meyer as I am the other candidates, but I think that the best fit for the Jaguars uh, going forward, I think, is Arthur Smith. Because, uh, you know, Arthur Smith was the one that cracked the code on Derrick Henry and and and, and, and put, put forth something in, in, the, uh, in the Titans that they needed to uh, give Derrick Henry the ball and and have him run the Titans to the playoffs in back-to-back years. So that's what happened there. Here are some names for the Los Angeles Chargers and uh, who who they formally requested interviews for. That they are looking at Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills. They're looking at Eric Bieniemy. They're looking at Arthur Smith. They're looking at Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator of the Crosstown rival Rams, so Staley wouldn't have to go anywhere. 
But this is the name that I think uh, makes uh, makes a lot of sense. First, first of all, they also requested to interview Jason Garrett, but. Garrett's not the answer for the Chargers, but a name that I think makes a lot of sense for the Chargers is Matt Eberfluss, the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, and he he's been a tremendous defensive coordinator for the Colts. That that he 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 gets his team buttoned up, he gets his team ready to go on uh, on a week in week out basis when it comes to uh, when it comes to their defense. And, and I and I think yeah he is the type of guy that can that can change the culture for for the Chargers and you know Anthony Lynn that that he lost so many games w- with one possession is so bad in game and and I think it would be uh, it would be uh it would be best to surround Eberflus with with with, with an in game manager as an uh, as well so, uh, to help the offense out and Justin Herbert. But I think Matt Eberflus would be a sensational hire for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, how about the Jets? And the, yes, the Jets don't have the won't have the access to Trevor Lawrence at number one if he, if and when he's selected by the Jaguars. But the the Jets job is certainly intriguing, and and assuming that. Joe Douglas will ha- will ha- will con- control everything when it comes to the uh, the he- head coaching vacancy. So the the names that the Jets have formally requested to interview were Brian Dable, Matt Eberflus, Brandon Staley, Arthur Smith, Brian Dable, and Eric Bieniemy. I think Eric Bieniemy is the answer for the Jets, but now th- th- there is a risk reward um qu- quotient in there. When it comes to the G, oh, comes to the Jets because Eric Bieniemy won't won't be available uh, until after the uh, the Chiefs season ends and Kansas City's the one season, so it won't be until January eighteenth at the earliest uh, if the Chiefs lose their first their first playoff game. But more than likely after the Super Bowl, but because I think Kansas City is going to wind up in the Super Bowl. But Eric Bieniemy is absolutely the hire if you're the Jets. Eric Bieniemy is absolutely the hire if you're the New York Football Jets. The, and, and he, uh, <clears throat> similar to Matt Eberflus, even though um, Andy Reid does the play calling with the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy is, is one one of those motivators and one of those leaders that can elevate a roster. And and and, and given given the NFL's um, uh, the uh, the um, I, I, given given the NFL's idea of of, of um of of, of giving giving rewards to hiring head coaches and uh, people of color as head coaches, I think the Jets might be motivated by that. We'll see if the if the Johnsons have a grip and a clue. And Woody Johnson's going to be back from London after uh, after Biden takes office uh, in a couple of weeks. So we're going to see how he fits into what 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 the Jets have to offer here. But Eric Bieniemy, I think it is is the clear hire if you're the if you're the Jets. So that that that's the Jets. We're looking at the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons have already interviewed Raheem Morris. I don't think he's going to be it. They've also uh, hired Eric Bieniemy, Robert Sala, 
They also have have interest in Arthur Smith, Joe Brady, and how about Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator Todd Bowles? And Todd Bowles was a disaster with the Jets, but uh, but we're going to have to see if he learned anything from from his experience with the Jets in terms of in terms of putting to. Uh, in terms of, of running a successful program, but Tobles was terrible in game, so I think that that might that's going to be something that the Falcons are going to have going to have to look at. But I think Robert Sala is the hire here for the Atlanta Falcons. That the Falcons defense is terrible. The Fal uh, the Falcons defense was was all time bad. That they blew so many games this year. Uh. uh in, in, in the late stages of, of games, so the Falcons definitely need a shot in the arm from outside of the organization when it, when it comes to their uh, comes to their defense. And I think Robert Sala is absolutely the hire here if you're the Atlanta Falcons. Now let's take a look at the Detroit Lions and the the Lions and Texans have similar boats as well. So the Lions have already interviewed Marvin Lewis, the former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. They've already uh, interviewed Eric Bieniemy, and uh, they they requested Bieniemy. They've also uh, interviewed Daryl Bevel, and they're going to request Robert Sala and and then Dan Campbell, the Saints assistant head coach, head coach and tight ends coach. So, so, so I think that they're gonna look at one of those, and yeah, even even I pin the lines to hiring Eric Bieniemy. I think Eric Bieniemy is the most attractive coaching candidate out there. So I think whoever hires Bieniemy is going to be uh, in good hands. But this, the the last uh, t- team with with the head coaching vacancy, the Houston Texans, I they have some interesting names. And I th- and 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 I think that these two names, I think uh, th- they are choice A and choice A B. Jim Caldwell and Marvin Lewis, and you you look at the look you can look at the history of the franchises for the Lions and the Bengals. Jim Caldwell last coach for the Lions, Marvin Lewis for the Bengals, and I'm gonna get into the Bengals in a little bit, but. Jim Caldwell, well, was was probably the best coach the Lions have had in, in twenty. In 25 years, that that two two years he took the Lions to the playoffs despite a division with Aaron Rodgers and in, in, in there as well. Um, Jim Jim Caldwell, I I think he he is someone that I think uh, can change the culture. But I think Marvin Lewis can can do that as well. I think Jim Caldwell and Marvin Lewis, I think would be. Or it would be tremendous um, choices for the Texans because you look at the French, the the um, look at the history of the Bengals under Mike Brown. Marvin Lewis is the only coach that has taken the Bengals to the playoffs, and, and so he certainly has has a huge track record. Now the the Bengals certainly blew it by not firing Marvin Lewis earlier uh, than they actually did. But Marvin Lewis is, is one of those coaches that I think can ele- elevate a franchise and take them to the next level. Now, Marvin Lewis, formerly the defensive coordinator of the all-time great 2000 Baltimore Ravens. So he definitely definitely has that. And that's why he was hired by the Bengals in the first place. Because, it, it, because that, that 2002 Bengals defense was so bad. 
I think Marvin Lewis is a great hire for the Houston Texans. So, I think one of those two names, I think, would, would be a significant upgrade over, you know, Bill O'Brien as the Texans head coach. But, th- th- there was one notable name. Now, a, a couple of names that, that were not fired, you know. So, um, Doug Peterson with the Philadelphia Eagles. He hasn't been, uh, uh, he, uh, he hasn't been fired yet or, he, or, or is, that the Eagles are keeping him after uh, that terrible tank job on Sunday night against Washington. But I think the Bengals keeping Zach Taylor was probably the most interesting thing that happened um, this weekend when it comes to um, uh, the job securities of coaches and general managers. More, uh, I don't think Zach Taylor is the coach Valtic Cincinnati anywhere special. Having said that, given the elements around the roster with the defense being dreadful, a second-year quarterback coming off a torn ACL, and who knows when he's going to come back and if he's ever going to come back uh, the way he has, I think you ha- that's the right call and that's the only call for the Bengals going forward. And it doesn't matter what talent comes out of college a quarterback. They need stability and one voice of reason to look up to in order to play at a high level. But what did Zach Taylor inherit in Cincinnati? A roster that was old and slow and needed to be turned over to a different era under new coaching and they needed to get younger everywhere and it included the quarterback position. So in that regard, stability stability matters, right? And, you know, the examples I find are... The best example of that is is that of Belichick, Bledsoe, and Brady with the Patriots, right? Bill Belichick takes over as the Patriots head coach in 2000. <clears throat> Drew Bledsoe is still the starting quarterback. And that year, while given... All, that was also the year that he was given the general manager duties uh, as well from Robert Kraft along with the head coaching position... In his first his first NFL draft, he drafts Tom Brady with the 199th overall pick. Did everyone expect Drew Bledsoe to suffer an injury in 2001? No. Did 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 people expect Tom Brady to be special right out of college? No. But Tom Brady was there, and the rest is history. The only head coach Tom Brady ever had before bolting to Tampa last spring was Bill Belichick. The stability of the head coach and quarterback positions made the Patriots successful in in, in who they were and and the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. The same can be said about Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. Montana was drafted in the third round in 1979. Jimmy Johnson's first NFL draft pick was Troy Aikman. Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, notwithstanding the drama with Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and the Chargers. Whatever. But based on the way Joe Burrow elevated his team when he was available, says something about him, and that he can thrive under a system set forth by Zach Taylor and offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. But while it is necessary for Burrow to have familiarity going from college to the NFL, it doesn't help that Zach Taylor hasn't elevated the rest of the team yet. Taylor's first year, they finished with the worst record in the NFL. They started the season 0-11, beat the Jets for, the, for their first win. Year two, not much better. They finished with a record of 4-11-1. But 
but among the 12 games within this within the conference so that each team plays 12 games against conference team conference teams nine of them were against teams with 10 or more wins so the schedule did not do them any favors whatsoever next year's schedule doesn't do much in favor or do them much in favors either they have the nfc north and the afc west so that means they're going to have dates with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes at home in Cincinnati next season. I do have a belief of not to draft a franchise quarterback when your head coach could be on the hot seat at the end of that upcoming season. That's why I thought it was weird that the Giants took their franchise quarterback with, uh, with year number two of Pat Shermer when he wasn't the answer for the Giants at the head coaching position. But what does all of this mean in regards to the Cincinnati Bengals? This notion of not spending money to improve the team falls on the shoulders of Mike Brown, who has been the general manager of the Bengals since 1991, yet he keeps emphasizing the quarterback position without regard for trying to surround the quarterback with the prerequisite talent to competing in the NFL. And the results of that philosophy speak for itself. Since Mike Brown became the general manager after his father Paul Brown died in August 1991. You know, today is the 30th anniversary of the Cincinnati Bengals' last playoff victory. January 6th, 1991 uh, was their last playoff victory when they, when they throttled the Houston Oilers 41-14. The Bengals have made playoffs seven times, all under Marvin Lewis with either Carson Palmer or Andy Dalton. No playoff victories since the 1990 wildcard game. Not a single year with a top five total offense. 11 of the 30 seasons, they won four or fewer games. They have 21 total losing seasons. The record the last 30 years is 190, 280, and 4. Yeah, that's right. 190, 280, and 4. Throw this in there, in there too for insult. And Bengals fans can tell you this. And I was watching uh, TV last night. And I came across this GoFundMe uh, that, the, that John Brown uh, put off in Cincinnati. That they're raising money. Asking their fans to contribute $12.5 million dollars. So the team could build an indoor practice facility. I mean, oh, oh, good. That number was based on the cost of Auburn's Auburn football's indoor facility that was built in 2011. That's 10 years ago. You won't get the quality of Auburn's 2011 facility with the same uh, numerical dollars in 2021 because you have to adjust to inflation. It just doesn't work that way. The Bengals are going to be in for another long season. And, uh, and and unfortunately, that's because they couldn't hire Zach, they couldn't fire Zach Taylor. They couldn't. They had no choice but to keep Zach Taylor. And if they can't make other changes that reflect, uh, that reflect less despair and more hope, and as long as Mike Brown continues these futile and baffling approaches to the game, the Cincinnati Bengals will remain as far away from a championship as any other team in the league. That's just how it is. That's how the Bengals are going to operate. The coronavirus took its toll on human life in 2020, 
But just because 2020 is over and that a vaccine has been approved for emergency use doesn't mean that the threat of COVID-19 is gone. Please remember to wear your masks and maintain a six-foot physical distance from others while you can. And if you're sick, don't go to work or school. You can mask up and you can save lives. Okay, everybody, now it's that part of the program where it's time to look at all of the NFL wild card games to pick against the spread. There are six games on uh, over the course of wild card weekend. We're going to pick all of them as we do all the regular season games. And to recap, the, the regular season, I was 177, 78, and 1. Um, straight up, and I was 127, 122, and 7 against the spread. So we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at securing that winning season for against the spread. We're go uh, if I win all of my games, I'll get to 190 wins straight up since there are 13 playoff games to be played over the course of the next four weeks. So let's start. The Indianapolis Colts, that they were the seven seed. They they finished the season at eleven and five. They traveled to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, and the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills are favored by six and a half points. And I I just think that the Bills are are have been a tremendous team all season. And I I love the culture there. I think the the Bills fans finally finally be able to uh, to watch their team play in person in in in, uh, in Orchard Park. I think that's going to be a sight to behold for Bills fans. That but Bills fans couldn't couldn't attend the games uh, because of of um the New York State COVID restrictions. But I, I think with, 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 with a new pulse of energy from the fans, I think the Bills, uh, with, with, I think the, they, they have a tremendous offense. And, and, and Josh Allen, Brian Dable, the, the offensive coordinator, Stefan Diggs, who, who led the league in receiving yards this season, and, and Billy, Billy Bean is responsible for making that trade. Everything lines up, I think, for Buffalo to be the biggest threat to Kansas City in the playoffs. And, and, and so, the Bills are going to win their first playoff game in 25 years, and I think they're going to win the game by 10 points. So my official score... Buffalo 31, Indianapolis 21. This game is, in fact, a Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi special, the NFL on Fox. The, the Seattle Seahawks, they are at home. They are favored by three and a half points, taking on whoever the quarterback is for the Los Angeles Rams. And I love how Sean McVay uh, said uh, that that he's not going to name a starting quarterback because he doesn't want Seattle uh, to, fi to figure out who, they're who the starting quarterback is going to be. And I, and I think Seattle's offense has been too inconsistent, um, especially in the second half and 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 yes, both uh, both their games in the second half after their offense turned from elite to stagnant. Two of those games were against the Rams, and I think the Rams oppose a tricky matchup regardless 
uh, with, with Seattle. And I, I think the Rams are going to win this football game outright. I'm going to take the LA Rams to go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks. Now, I, I, this was a matchup, the Rams at Seahawks two weeks ago, and I thought the Rams were going to win that one. And boy, I was wrong on that front. But I think when it, when it matters the most, I think McVay is going to get his team buttoned up. I think he knows wh where it went, went wrong last time. Andrew Whitworth uh, planning to play on Saturday. I think that's a significant deal. Uh, to open up, opening up more running lanes for cam makers and, and and setting up the play action. So I think with all, with all this in mind, I'm going to pick the Rams to win the game 20 to 17 over the Seattle Seahawks. This game is going to be a Mike Tirico, Tony Dungy special NFL on NBC on Saturday night. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady's first playoff game with Tampa. They are on the road, favored by 8.5, taking on the football team, the Washington football team. And I, I, I think both defenses are have, have great pass rushes, and I'm Washington was certainly, uh, certainly profiled throughout the season with Chase Young, the defensive rookie of the year, more, more, more likely at the, when the season uh, awards are announced. But I, I think that Tampa Bay, uh, can, can, even though I don't think Tampa Bay is going to go to the Super Bowl, I, de I definitely think that that. The, their, their pass rush can neutralize um, Alex Smith and and their um and, and their game managing offense. I don't think I I think we we've seen a tale before of how Alex Smith has been doomed in the in the playoffs by a pass rush, and we we, we saw that with the Giants in the 2011 NFC Championship game. We saw that with the Pittsburgh Steelers um a few years back when they. Uh, with that, we saw that to a degree with the Indianapolis Colts when the Chiefs blew that thirty-eight to ten lead, and and and, and that was a full of heartbreak for Kansas City. But I I think Brady knows the playoffs well, and I think he he's going to, uh, the experience matters here. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win the game and cover by winning twenty-eight to sixteen. I think this game. Among the six, is the toughest game of the week to pick. Um, the, the, this game will be called, will be between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans on on, on Sunday. It is actually a, a Steve uh, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, Lisa Salters game on ESPN and ABC. It is very rare for ABC to have a one o'clock sporting event. But here we are, the Baltimore Ravens. They are they are taking on the Tennessee Titans at, uh, in Tennessee, with the Ravens favored by three. Um, but th th this this is where I I think this is tough because I love I love Tennessee. I love Derrick Henry. I love Arthur Smith. I love Mike Vrabel as a head coach. But. Where Bolt, where Baltimore lacked last year when the two teams met, I think Baltimore's biggest deficiency last year is Tennessee's biggest deficiency this year, and 
I and I think that that deficiency is a lack of a pass rush. The front seven for Tennessee has not been good all season. That they they were last in the league in sacks, but they they got a couple of big sacks on on Sunday, uh, which which were critical in beating the Texans. I'll give them that. But unless the Titans turn into uh, Titans, a pass rush turns into Washington's. I just don't see how how Tennessee is going to win this game, and and Derrick Henry can can run the ball, but I think that the idea of Eric DaCosta going out to acquire Calais Campbell and draft Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison in the draft, I think a lot of that had to do with uh with stopping the run. Patrick Queen played a huge role with with the Ravens down the stretch. And yes, and yes, make no mistake. Tennessee is a, 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 is not the type of competition that the Ravens have been accustomed to the last three weeks. And you know, Baltimore buried Jacksonville, buried the Giants, buried Cincinnati with 400 yards rushing. But I, I gotta pick the Ravens here. I just, I just think the Ravens have the better defense here. So it's gonna be an entertaining game. But I'll take the Ravens to win. 34-27 by a touchdown. Th- th- this this game is the Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson special. The NFL on CBS and on um, and with uh, and the Nickelodeon special. The New Orleans Saints. They are at home. They're favored by nine and a half, taking on the Chicago Bears. And I saw this meme on Twitter on uh, or, or during the week, and this had to do with the. Nickelodeon broadcast it is imagine is from, this tweet is from from Cameron Santo. Imagine this Bears Saints Super Wild Card Playoffs on Nickelodeon. It's fourth and one. Will Matt Nagy dare double dare or take the physical challenge? Oh, Matt Nagy taking the double dare and. Going for it on fourth and one. But, oh my goodness, Matt Nagy. But for for the Bears' credit, though, the Bears' offense has uh, has gone significantly better since that they, they made the quarterback change, going from Nick Foles to Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky. But in, in in the regard of 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 this game, I just think Drew Brees coming back, Alvin Kamara should be ready to go. He should be able to clear. COVID protocols, and I just think that makes such a big difference for for the Saints. Now, did, did did they need did they need Alvin Kamara last week? Not not necessarily because the Saints were playing a significantly more inferior opponent, but but in, in the regards for this game, I just think the Saints are better on both sides of the football, and I think they have the or the, the big edge at at the coaching position as well. So. I'm going to lay the nine and a half points here, and I'll take the Saints to win, and the Saints to cover thirty-one to twenty. And finally, the last game of Wildcard Weekend screams Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya. We've been waiting all day for Sunday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers—they are at home. They won the AFC North. They're favored by six points, taking on the Cleveland Browns. And the, and I think this is a 
I, I think this is an impossible task for Cleveland because Kevin Stefanski tests positive for COVID-19. Kevin Stefanski has done a tremendous job changing the culture in Cleveland and, and with the and getting the Browns to, to the playoffs, snapping the longest playoff drought in the NFL of 18 seasons. But I don't like laying the six here with Pittsburgh because this because the game is is between divisional rivals. But I think Ben Roethlisberger coming back is going to be a big deal, right? Be because uh, the 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 Browns dominated the first three quarters of the game of of, of their Week Seventeen matchup against the Steelers in Cleveland. But I I just don't I, I just don't know if Baker Mayfield is re is ready to win a playoff game. That we we, we saw Baker Mayfield got a franchise to the playoffs. We're gonna have to, have to see how he does against. One of, one of the league's best defenses. So, I'm going to grab the points here with Cleveland. And so, I'll take the Steelers to win the game. And so, and, and so with, with, with these in mind, I, I, if, if all of my picks are correct, we would have Pittsburgh and Buffalo. In, in Buffalo, we'd have Baltimore, Lamar Jackson... And, and Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, a rematch of the last two NFL MVPs in the AFC. Then we'd have the the LA Rams take on the Green Bay Packers. That's a matchup that did not happen this so far this season. And then Brady and Breeze in the playoffs. I mean, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, that would be something special. And I think, uh, and anytime you have two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, 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 face off, and th th this would be the third time Brady and Breeze would play if, if all of my results are correct. I think this has got to be a treat, and I just want to let uh, yeah, let the games play out and see if, if the, if the um, Saints um, or any of these teams can, can get to where, where I think they can be. And so with that, that's going to do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. I hope you enjoyed th this soothing, sizzling edition of the great podcast and the critically acclaimed podcast. And until next Monday, w on a football Monday, th this will be the last time I speak to you until next week. This is John Flynn saying so long, and I'll be back on the podcast next week. So long, everybody.